You're listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Matt Loverin and me, Jim Shamaria. Our goal is to start a conversation about life and leadership in the local church. Welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I'm Jim. And I'm Matt. We're back with episode 16. Glad to see you healthy. Yes. I uh, woke up on that morning. We were attempting to record and felt sick is the word I'll use. It was not a good, it was not a good morning. And so I missed out, but I'm back. You got to enjoy as a listener rather than a host. Yeah. It was like, uh, I was an out of body experience, except for I was very much in body because I had to edit the whole thing, but we did it. But yeah, it's good to be back with you. And today we're at a new location. We're recording from my office here in uh, Celebration Bible Church. It's a nice space that you've got going on here. Thank you. I got a couch here from a uh, senior citizen in my church, and it looks to be a couch from a senior citizen's home, but does the job. I'm not going to lie to you. There are occasions when I take a little 20-minute power nap on that guy. Get going for the rest of the afternoon. Ministry siesta. Yeah. Pastoral siesta. Sometimes you got to do it. Well, we're looking forward to a great episode today. We're going to be talking with Alyssa Thompson, who is a worship leader at a local church here in Grand Rapids. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to hear what she has to say. She's just starting in ministry. She's been in it for less than six months. So it'll be cool to kind of hear what that's like to be just really at the beginning of your ministry and, and kind of some of the struggles that come along with that and some of the joy and excitement. So that's going to be great. But well, we also are looking forward to catching up on our ministries. Yes. What's been going on in each other's lives. We uh, haven't really talked to you for a little bit here. I was sick and then I spent a couple weeks out in Washington uh, with my family over the holidays. So yeah, it's been a little while, hasn't it? It's been a while. But what I have seen is that uh, your church just was just this last weekend celebrated its 30th anniversary. Yeah, that was a big celebration, and we've been working on that for six months. We realized as a church council that our 30th anniversary was coming up, and so we felt like it would be a great time to celebrate. And a really cool weekend because we uh, had a big dinner, a catered dinner, Uh, We sold tickets to it, and we invited people who, all the people that we could find addresses for who had ever been to the church. I should have come. I apologize for not coming. I was invited. You were there at one point. I was part of the ministry there. I I helped in the youth group for like a year. Who was the youth pastor when you were? Chad Stevens. Chad Stevens. Yeah, I was there with Gary Hansen, who, former guest on the pod, and I uh, served in the youth group there for about a year. So I should have come, but... I didn't. That was a really important season in the life of the church because that was during the building campaign Uh and the transition to the new facility. And we actually had Chad Stevens as well as Pastor Josh White. And uh, we had all of the pastors who had ever been at Grace Bible Fellowship. And they either were there present for the dinner or they were uh, present via video I saw some of those videos. That was really cool just to kind of see how that church has kind of maintained really good connections with its staff over the years. And sometimes you see pastors leave a church and things not 
really go well, unfortunately. And so it's cool to see, to see that. That's one of the things that I guess maybe I'm most proud of in the church uh, that I've, that I've been a part of here now for 12 years and, and seeing that we're a church that raises up young leaders and young pastors and gives them a chance to get started in ministry, mm-hmm. kind of find their own uh, gifts and strengths and abilities, and then they leave. Right. And we have to do that process again. But it's as a leadership and I think as a congregation, we've learned to be patient with that process. Yeah. And um, there's definitely something you lose in not having some pastors who are in their late 40s, 50s, and 60s, you know, that gravitas and the years of experience. But uh, there's also something really endearing, I think, that we gain of of inviting these young leaders in and then being able to see them go and serve in other places and maintain those connections in a healthy way. Well, what you also then do is you're not relying on the pastor to be the glue, right? Because since the, the pastoral role has been not transient, but it hasn't been the same person for 30 years or whatever. It's really the congregation and like some key leaders within the congregation who kind of facilitate and, and kind of keep things together, um, obviously with the elders and all of that stuff. But I think that's really cool. It's been really true. And absolutely, there's fluctuations in the congregation sure. because as those pastoral transitions have happened, uh, people don't feel like they fit as well. And mm-hmm. I think the transition to a big facility is uh, a hard one for people because it was a very small, tight-knit, close group of people. And then you take that group of people and put them in a big facility and a bunch of new people come in and they kind of think, well, what happened to our church? Where did our church go? And it's still the same group of people, but you're adding Mm -hmm. and you're changing spaces, which is a really big deal. radically is influenced by that. Yeah. And and then you're changing pastors sometimes too. And so that all those fluctuations, but at the same time, what was great was the spirit of unity of people who had were founding members of the church with a founding pastor and people who had been in the church for just a year. Hmm. And those same people were in the room and all in between. And it was a great sense of unity encompassed in, uh, look what this church has become in 30 years and isn't God faithful and all of that. Yeah. That's really cool. It's just cool to celebrate community like that, you know, to celebrate how, how that is, things have been impacted, lives have been impacted through your ministry. And, you know, your church hasn't really like grown massively since it started. And I think that that's a cool thing to be celebrating. (laughs) Not that you're not celebrating that you haven't grown, but you're just celebrating the way that lives have been impacted and people have grown in their understanding of God and worship and all of that stuff. And that's really cool. The growth is not necessarily numerical, right? It's in scope and in reach and in depth of people and the connections between people. And, and what I've seen is that whoever are the people that are there, they're getting opportunities yeah. to grow and to minister and to connect and to use their gifts yeah. in community uh, and be in fellowship with people. And so it's not necessarily about keeping one pastor or one space or or one even congregational makeup, mm-hmm. but but the opportunity to minister to people has been the same. Yeah, the, the spirit of the congregation right. or the ethos of the congregation is consistent. That's it's really going to be cool. a great German word for that. Vleikenschleiser. <laughs> <Like and> <laughs> I think that's right. I'll have to check my translation later. But So what's going on with you guys? Well, it's funny that you mentioned facility stuff uh, because just last night 
uh, we had our first meeting with uh, a a building committee and an architect that we are in the. It wasn't uh, George Costanza, was Art Vandelay, Art Vandelay, uh, Vandelay Industries, yeah, importers, exporters. But <laughs> we are in the process, the early stage process of doing uh, a little bit of a building expansion and. All of those things that you just talked about, about the dynamic changes and um, the differences in the community that come with that have caused me to really been dragging, be dragging my feet on this for the last year or two. Really, we recognized you know, a while ago that we're starting to run out of space where our kids are. Our auditorium is, is fine, our, our worship space is fine, but down this end of the hall where we are right now, where the, the children meet and are in our want circle and all of that, really starting to, to just kind of run out of space. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, but, but anytime you build, anytime you add to the facility, the dynamic of the church changes. And part of me doesn't want that. Um, and I think a lot of times when you hear churches talk about doing a building expansion, it's always kind of couched in language of, God has really blessed our ministry and we want to just, you know, continue to give him space to grow our church and Progress all of that and stuff. Growth. Yeah. And that's just ugh, like, I think most pastors can see right through that and can see what's, what's going on there sometimes. Not all the time. I'm not saying that <laughs> all pastors are, but, uh, to me, there's always just some sort of like kind of swarmy businessy tone to that. Like, you know, we're saying that we want to let God move, but we're really building this so that our church grows. And, uh, so I just, I just didn't really want anything to do with that, but really kind of talking and thinking about what are our values as a congregation? Like, what are the things that we have always wanted to do? And and really what that has been is create a space where people of all ages can, um, know and understand God and how God is working in their lives and a place where people can build community and we realized that as our facilities were right now, that just wasn't happening in the best possible way for our for our kids. And so um, our current mortgage is, is about to be paid off right now or right in these next couple months. So we're going to uh, look towards an expansion of a multipurpose room and all that stuff. So that's kind of the, the, the big thing on the agenda here at Celebration right now, which is... It's just different <laughs> from what I'm used to. What's your time frame like? Well, uh, we think that working with the architect and getting the design hopefully will be done by the spring. And then um, from there, we'll just have to see kind of what what the building process is. But also, we don't even have a dollar amount yet. And so we need to get a dollar amount before we can start talking about how we want to do this as far as do we want to take out a loan do we want to try to raise the money ahead of time? Do we want to try to do both, you know, take some money down? It's just, there's a lot of those kind of weird financial nitty gritty decisions that have to be made as well. Do you feel like as a pastor that there's an implicit sense that you need to lead this effort that you get from people? Yes. And explicit sense that you need to lead the effort? Well, I think it's been one of those things where, like I said, we've been having these conversations for a while and it never really moved anywhere. And I realized at some point that I think people are just kind of waiting for me to say, this is what we're doing. And so I finally kind of felt comfortable with that. 
And really, as soon as that happened, and I'm not saying I'm the only one who did it, but I think that there then was a sense of, okay, we're doing this and we're moving. And um, I'm trying really hard to not be the only man driving this thing. I'm trying really hard to kind of make it a very collaborative effort, make it a very communal effort. Um, but but there still, I think, is a sense that people are looking for to me to, to lead it. So, yeah, so we'll kind of see. It's exciting, but a little scary, too. How have you, I mean, have you had to adjust your own philosophy of your leadership role in order to... Yeah, I mean, agree in your own heart that this is something I'm willing to do. Yeah, well, I think it took a lot of of just kind of thinking and praying and reflecting on, you know, what is the purpose? If we did build, what would be the purpose of doing this? And then making extra clear in the way I communicate to the congregation that we are not building this building with the expectation that our church is going to grow. We're building this to meet the needs that we currently have. But at the same time, you know, just like with any church, there is the possibility that there could be numerical growth at some point. And so you also don't want to, like, build yourself into a corner where at some point you're going to have to think about doing this again in three or two, three years or whatever. And so it's just, it's just really hard because I don't want to let myself think that way. I don't want to walk down that road because that's just not how I do ministry or how I approach ministry but there is always that voice saying, well, really, you should be thinking about, you know, the future or whatever. But I don't know. It's, just, it's, a hard, it's a hard place for me to be as someone who likes being a pastor of a small church and thinks that pastors should be very comfortable being in small churches to see, you know, having to, to make these decisions. Because what if that growth does happen and then you've undermined your whole right. philosophy of ministry exactly. unintentionally? Exactly. So that's, that's a lot. That's, that's attention. So that's been the struggle for the last couple of years. That's why what makes you feel more comfortable with that is the fact that we are not doing anything with, like, the main sanctuary worship place. But this is just going to be where the kids are meeting, you know, and where the kids can, can do their thing giving a space for our youth group in that in that area so because i gotta tell you that buffet line gets really tight Eesh. during the harvest party it does that's a nightmare yeah. space. our harvest party is we have this event one time a year right around halloween and we have like 600 people in our church all from the community and they're all in the buffet line at the same time and it's insane it's purely insane, and I'm usually... It's got to be a fire hazard. Yeah, this year I dressed up as a football coach. Usually my my approach to costumes at the Harvest Party is, what do I have within the hour before the Harvest Party began? <laughs> this year I had a, a whistle and a clipboard and a Seahawks hat. You're Pete Carroll. Yep, tucked my shirt in, there we were. But yeah, that buffet line gets a little tough. All right, so coming up next is our interview with Alyssa Thompson, and we're going to hear what she has to say about her perspectives on leading worship at Parkside Bible Church with my father-in-law, Gary Spikerman, and we look forward to hearing from her. So we're here with Alyssa Thompson, who is, well, what is your actual title at Parkside? Worship coordinator. Worship coordinator. Not leader? Nope. Everybody's a coordinator at our church. 
Okay. You're working with Pastor Gary, who's my father-in-law and was on episode one, throwback, of the podcast. So for those of you who are just getting started with the podcast, you can go back and listen to episode one. That one was pretty rough. You think so? From a technical standpoint. Oh, we didn't have our technical act together (laughs) then. Yeah. We'll have to remaster it. Yeah. (laughs) The deluxe edition. (laughs) Remastered edition. So, Alyssa, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do primarily in your ministry role at Parkside. Um, Well, I grew up in the Hudsonville area, so I'm familiar with Holland, Grand Rapids, all that area, Um, and went to Grace Bible College for a worship arts degree. And um, through that, got connected with Parkside Bible Church and got hired in May, but then I went away for the summer um, to do another ministry and then started officially at the end of August. And so I am currently a worship coordinator there and um, lead worship on Sundays, plan out the whole service, um, meet with pastor, talk about what's coming up, what things we have to plan for, um, and lead rehearsals. So I work with a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities um, every week. So that's primarily my role at Parkside. What is that process when you meet with Gary um, Pastor Gary and you guys talk about what the service is going to look like. Like, what is the collaborative process there? Is it kind of more like he tells you this is what we want to do? Do you guys kind of work together? Like, what is your, I guess, what's your philosophy of meshing the teaching and the music and the scripture? Or do you not try to do that? Or what? Mm-hmm. How do you approach that? Um, it might not be what people think, um, but he basically gives me freedom to put together the service and. Cool. The music doesn't necessarily coincide with the sermon. It's not like the music yeah. reflects what the sermon is going to say. Yeah. Um, so we talk about, you know, we talk about what he's going to be preaching on, but we don't necessarily base the music off of that. And so um, when we meet, we basically talk about other aspects of the service, like whether or not there's going to be a testimony, or we have we have a lot of missionaries in our church, and mm-hmm. so we have them give updates on, you know, where they're at. Um, we have one this Sunday. They just got back from the Philippines, and so we're going to have them give a little presentation update on what they went through. Um, and so we talk about that kind of stuff. Um, as far as the music, I take care of that. We kind of talk about it a little bit, yeah. and if he has some thoughts on it, or yeah, yeah, you know, we talk about it. But it's um, you know, he gives me that freedom to to plan that out and plan out the scriptures that go in inside of that. Um, because really, my, to me, my purpose for what we do through the music is to bring people into the presence of God and um, be able to just worship and not necessarily either get like prepared for the sermon, because yeah. then I think it kind of separates the two yeah. in a way, um, but it brings people into the presence of God and you know focuses their mind on why we're even there in the first place. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think sometimes... Um, maybe in particularly the churches that we're a part of because they are very Bible-centered, teaching-centered churches that sometimes the music becomes like the thing that gets you, like you said, the thing that gets you ready for the sermon. Mm-hmm. And that really negates the, the formative power that music has on, on the church, right, mm-hmm. on the local church because the music kind of shapes how we see God and how we worship God and all of that stuff. So that's, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. In a lot of ways, it's teaching, too. Teaching <laughs> yeah. people how to worship, but you're also teaching them theology. You're teaching yeah. them the scriptures. Like Paul says in Colossians that uh, we 
uh, speak to each other in these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And that's a, a place where a lot of learning happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why, for me, part of the reason I even went into music ministry is because that's how I connect um, is through music and the emotion of music. Yeah. There's a lot of emotion that goes into it, and so that's part of why I even got into it was because that's how I connect, and yeah. I want to be able to create that atmosphere for others to be able to connect if that's how they connect, because not everybody yeah, does. Yeah, and that's a really important point, I think, too, is especially if there's pastors listening out there. I think probably a lot of pastors are more... Uh, intellectually based, you mm-hmm. know, like they connect with God through theology, through studying theology and through reading scripture and that sort of thing. But to understand that there's a lot of people in our congregation who don't really connect that way and mm-hmm. that's okay. Um, so that's important. Yeah, I've had people in the church, you know, one of the families say, you know, music's just not their thing, but right. they don't not like it, right? you know, but that's just not their way of connecting. And that's why we try to like when I plan stuff out, I try to incorporate other things, whether yeah. that's a video or a scripture reading or whatever, or testimony, you know, that's why it's not just music and then the sermon. Cause mm-hmm. you know, some people might not even connect through those two things. Right. You know, there's different ways that people connect yeah. through it. So, and I know that those different elements are really important to my father-in-law who mm-hmm. wants the testimony and wants scripture for sure. And mm-hmm. wants, mm-hmm. um, all those little bits that are, I mean, when you think about putting a Sunday morning together, those are a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. And maybe it would be easier if you just had a worship set and a message mm-hmm. and out. But that's also something that doesn't necessarily communicate um, to a variety of different people and mm-hmm. perspectives. And it also doesn't build community in the same way. Because when you have all those different people giving testimonies and all those people yeah. with different parts and and as they move around, kind of that dance of the Sunday morning, um, that's where you see different people and their different gifts and their different mm-hmm. roles in the life of the church. Yeah, so your church is um, a multi-generational church, right? Mm-hmm. You have people, old people, young people, kids, whatever. Yeah. How do you kind of navigate that? Um, as far as how do you effectively lead worship in a multi-generational church? <laughs> effectively. <laughs> um, so it's really hard because you do have people who come to me and, you know, they'll say, well, we want to do more hymns or mm-hmm. why haven't you done this song or that song? And you try not to take it personally and it's not yeah. like they're condemning you for not doing it. Um, and I have struggled um, when I first started with Oh, I feel like I'm not doing enough hymns, hmm. you know? Um, and I was being really hard on myself for it. And I talked to my dad about it. And he's like, don't think of it that way. He goes, J- you don't have to do a hymn just because somebody wants you to, you know, for me, um, I'm led by the Holy spirit to do what, what they, or what he wants me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and as weird as that might seem to people like being led to put a set list together, yeah. but really that's, that's how I, I operate and I, I put those together. Um, so I do kind of a blended, um, worship, but I don't necessarily do things just because people say they want me to do this song. And when I put the set list together, it's, it's almost like it has its own theme most of the time, whether that's, we're singing about God's love or we're singing about his name or, you know, whatever it looks like. If a hymn fits in with that, I add it in, you know, it's not like, someone comes to me and says, I want to do all hymns on Sunday. And then I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. You know, um, I do what 
what I feel fits best yeah. and what God is, is leading me to do. So Well, that's really not too different than how a pastor puts a sermon together, hopefully, you know, that they're doing the study, but they're being sensitive to how they're being led to present and understanding the needs of the congregation mm -hmm. and understanding, you know, sometimes the congregation needs to be pushed a little bit into places that are less comfortable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they need to be coddled, you know? Yeah. And so I think that that's a, a, a great approach. Yeah. A lot of times I think we overlook the giftedness that's needed in the role that you're serving in, yeah. in terms of being able to know the music well enough being able to lead people to do the music well enough, being able to um, musically accomplish and perform yeah. what's required, but then also <laughs> have the sensitivity to what God is doing mm -hmm. in your own heart and in the life of the whole congregation. I mean, this is pretty complex mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you think about all of the factors that are going into it and you just say, we, we kind of have a, a, a way to explain it. I'll do what the Holy Spirit leads me to do. But there's a lot of factors that w go into that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's funny you say that because I just had a conversation with my mom about this and she said, I feel like people don't take what you do seriously. Hmm. You know, people don't look at it that way. They think, oh, you just pick out music, yeah. you have a rehearsal and you do it on Sunday morning. Yeah. And that's why um, sometimes being part-time is hard because it's like, yes, I can pick out the music. That's, it's not necessarily hard. You know, sometimes it's every Sunday it's like, oh, we just did that song three weeks ago. Yeah. But yeah. like... You know, people don't necessarily take it seriously because they don't look at it as... Well, yeah, and I think that that's a, a, a symptom of what we just talked about, of this kind of like culture that we've created where the sermon is the only important mm -hmm. part of the worship service, which obviously the sermon's very important, and I'm partial to the sermon. Right. <laughs> but, but when that becomes the only important part, then the music is just can become just kind of like this throwaway thing. Yeah, we could we could have music or we could not have music. We could have a CD or we could, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's probably the maybe the first place to start if we want to change that is to reclaim the a more holistic view of the worship service and the value of all of those things. Mm -hmm. Well, I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago that was talking about how a lot of times you can tell if a pastor and a worship leader are not um, meshing well together because it reflects in the service because yeah. then it's like, well, we do our own thing here, you do your own thing right. here. And then there becomes almost like that competition of, mm -hmm. well, the sermon was better than the music today, or <laughs> I enjoyed the music, but I didn't enjoy the sermon, yeah. you know, to make, like you said, that holistic, uh -huh. make it all come together. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean it all has to be the same theme or the right, same, but right. yeah. Somehow, you know, and that comes with each leader. And we've talked about this between Pastor Gary and I, you know, listening to each other throughout the service, you yeah. know, connecting it yeah. together. And God has definitely worked through our services the past few weeks where it's like, you know, I plan, sometimes I plan ahead and I just start planning some songs ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And God just brings it all together. Um, like this past Sunday, we, I don't know how, but it just all worked, worked itself together. He was doing a series on Joshua and he took a break and did something else. Well, I had already planned the worship service kind of based off yeah. of what the sermon, what Joshua 7 was talking about. But even Slaughtering though, the Philistines? Yeah, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> no. So I had like started playing that, but then he totally changed his sermon and it's still, yeah. God used it and made it work together. That's I can't great. tell you the number of times that's happened when I've been preaching at a different church. Maybe they don't know what I'm going to preach on. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what their songs are going to be. 
and yet some line from some song yeah. gels perfectly with mm-hmm. what a, a point that I want to make in the message. So there doesn't have to be that competition. It's when you let the spirit lead, that's not a throwaway yeah. mm-hmm. to say, I planned this an hour before we all got together. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's really an acknowledgement that God's at work in the life of the community. Yeah. And that just like when you preach a sermon, um, you say it a bunch of different ways, or you take a bunch of different angles because you never know what's going to stick for people or how mm-hmm. you're going to say it. Mm-hmm. Worship works the same way and you have to do different songs in different styles and right. uh, different lyrics that will hopefully meet different people where they are. And mm-hmm. then you trust that to the spirit. Yeah. So have you had to, in that youngness that you just talked about, had to assert yourself in situations and say, this is the way I think it really needs to be. Or is that more a give and take as you come into a new ministry and find your way in it? Um, coming into a new ministry, it's hard because people are used to the way the past person or the last person did it. Um, that is a challenge. Uh, and I have had to deal with some things where, you know, just people pushing back to me, not directly, but it's that passive aggressive, you know, a comment comes out and it's like, okay, how do I, (laughs) how do I deal with this now? And being younger and you know, some of them are adults, their parents, and it's like, being 23, I'm like, how do I go about this? Because I look at them, like, the way I would look at my parents, it's like, I don't know how to yeah. how to address this in a mature, like, I'm an adult too, kind of Yeah, because now manner. you're peers, and you're in some sense in leadership and in authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in that, like, almost exact same place, because when I graduated from from college I started here at Celebration as worship leader and mm-hmm. I was same you know 23 or whatever and there the church is very friendly and open and mm-hmm. you know I never felt like directly but there is just a sense of whether it's just myself and my own self-confidence of am I doing it right but that's also there and I think that's a struggle for for any young person going into ministry um, and sometimes you see people responding to that by getting defensive and angry and pushing back. And that's usually not helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you just kind of absorb it and there's just different ways to, to do that. Yeah. What do you do? Like when you have you like, do you ever speak to pastor Gary about it? Like, do you talk with him or is, is it more just kind of kind of deal with it internally? And it depends on the situation. <laughs> if it's, you know, more of just that person was having a bad day and something came out. Um, Or if it's just a matter between me and that person, Um, I've had that. And I just called that person, we talked it out, and everything was fine. You know, it wasn't, I didn't feel the need to to bring it to the next level because if we can figure it out between the two of us, then then it's fine. But if it escalates past that where we can't come to a, not a compromise, but, you know, where we're, we're okay now, then I would bring it to Pastor Gary. Yeah. Um, and I had another previous one where it wasn't a huge deal, but it was another one of those where it was one of those comments and it was like, I took it personally. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. And then, um, you know, you email that person or you talk to them. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, well, I didn't hear anything back. So I don't, I don't know where, where we're at now. Right. Um, and I talked to Pastor about that one, but, you know, it was just more of like, hey, I want you to know that this happened. Nothing has happened since then. Um, you know, if it escalates past that, then 
you know, you go from there. But I don't always bring it to him because I don't think it's always right. necessary unless it starts to affect the ministry and affect other people. Right. So. And that's what makes ministry so unique is it's more than just performing a task. Mm-hmm. It's shepherding people. You know, it's mm-hmm. being engaged with people. And there's always that interpersonal element that, that makes ministry such a unique thing and challenging thing. And, and I mean hard, like to be 23 and just out of college and now have to, you know, like in a normal job, you just kind of, whatever, I'm just going to go and, you know, check in for six hours or eight hours or whatever and leave. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's, yeah. It's these relationships and the ongoing dynamics of those relationships as they change and deepen. And it's challenging to, to be in, as you mentioned at the beginning, I think with, a re- relationship and a leadership dynamic with all these different personalities. Um, and, and musicians are artists and yeah. can be very sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that's a factor that works in. If, if we make adjustments or changes or corrections, it's very easy for people to take it personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't sing well enough here. So she's taking my part away. Not right. this Why just I... sounds better without that part in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why am I not on the schedule? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that's when you talk about shepherding people, that's something that is really big to me is investing in people's spiritual lives, you know, not just something I've been talking to the team about a lot is, you know, we're not here to just practice on Wednesdays, go home and then come back on Sunday and play again. You know, I want it to be this unified group who we know our purpose. We know why we're here and that we're all on the same page um, of bringing people into the presence of God. And if our hearts aren't right, how are we supposed to lead others? And so every Wednesday we do devotions and prayer time before rehearsal. Mm. We have musicians or like instrumentalists come, we practice. And then when everybody is there, we take 10, 15 minutes to do a devotional together and then pray together. Because to me, that's something that brings people together. It helps people be vulnerable and open with one another. And that helps your team to grow. And to me, that's really important. And I had some pushback on that. And I... For me, I won't um, compromise on that. I won't take that away because then it becomes just a routine thing that I'm just here to play music and go home. Where I want to invest in people and help them, you know, help them with their hearts and and challenge them. Because if your heart isn't right, how are you supposed to be in leadership? Because all of us are leaders when we're on stage. Whether they think that or not, you know, people are looking to you Mm -hmm. as a leader and... So I just don't want people to get in the mindset of going through the motions because that's a challenging place to be. So I think that's great. Well, what do you, so you said that some of the things that you do are beyond the scope of just music. Mm -hmm. And so say a church is struggling to put together a worship team. Are there things they can do besides music that you think have been affected in your worship services? I know testimony for sure. So what do you, that's, let's talk about that. Like, what does that look like? What does testimony look like at at, um, Parkside? It's a number of different things. Testimony in someone's personal testimony, what, you know, what they've gone through um, to where they are now, what God has done in their life, how they came to faith. Um, We have testimonies of missionaries who talk about what God is doing in different parts of the world, what they're doing, what he's doing in their life. Um, how do you arrange that? Do you, do people come to you and say, Hey, I want to share. Do you approach them? Um, sometimes people approach pastor about it and 
ask him if it's a possibility. Others, like the one we have this Sunday, I know that they just came back a couple weeks ago, and I thought, hey, it'd be a great opportunity for them. So I reached out to them to see if they'd be willing cool. to to do that. And How frequently do you do that, like once a month or so? We're just starting to do it more. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we have a few. Okay. <laughs> with We have, like, the Missions Festival coming up in March, too, so we have that. Sure. Um, at our celebration service, we had two people give personal testimonies. Um, this week, we have people giving a testimony about their mission. Um, we have another one next week. Is that intentional, that you're doing it more frequently, or is it just that's how it's worked out? It's just kind of happening. Yeah. <laughs> we just kind of all of a sudden I get an email saying, hey, we have this person that we would like to put in sure. this Sunday. And that can be a struggle, too, because it's like sometimes we have a few things going on. It's like, okay, we need yeah. to cut back a little bit because you don't want to have too many <laughs> yeah. people speaking within yeah. a service because then it gets like people are like, okay, yeah. there's another person. You know, you don't want to have too many. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Well, I think that that's a great, a great way that if people are struggling to do the music thing, maybe they can supplement that with encouraging people to to speak and to share their story and to, to give that testimony and add to the worship there. I mean, that's really, I think, part of the New Testament model of what, what a church gathering is like, is mm-hmm. people coming together and sharing what God is doing in their lives, singing and mm-hmm. teaching and all that. Well, right. I know some who, they have just someone who can play piano. Yeah. And they have someone just play play the songs and you sing along yeah. with it, you know? It's as simple as that. Even if you don't have anybody else leading up yeah. front or you have the pastor lead hymns or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for your congregation. Yeah. So. so there's a couple of standard questions that we ask everyone who comes on the podcast. Uh, what's the greatest joy for you in ministry? So you've been doing this five months now. Mm-hmm. So a uh, little bit uh, new to the position even and new to the ministry, but what's your greatest joy? And then what's the biggest grind? What's the hardest thing about it? My biggest joy, kind of a couple things into one, is that I get to do what I love um, and what I went to school for and what I feel called to, and I get to do that and get paid for it, which is kind of a weird thing. Um, But I get to do that, and I I love planning things, um, but also working with people as hard as it can be sometimes. You know, watching people grow and people step out of their comfort zones, whether that's in the congregation or the worship team. I've really enjoyed getting to know people and know where they started, even after five months being there, you know, watching people step out and and do different things and step up into leadership positions. Um, To me, that that is my biggest joy, is doing what I love and working with people and watching them grow in that. And watching, I had someone say to me, she goes, I gained back my love for music. Hmm. Um, you've, You've given me a new perspective on it, and I've gained back my joy for music. So... To be able to watch that and see people grow in that is is amazing yeah, for me. That's awesome. I don't know if there's like a grind. Obviously, there's challenges. I guess it's kind of in the same realm of my joy. is just learning personalities and figuring out how to deal with, not deal with, but relate to people and work with different personalities. Um, it's, it's exhausting because <laughs> it's... Every time you go in, it's like, okay, you know, I got to focus. I got to figure out how I'm going to, you know, if such and such a thing happens or whatever. Um, So I don't know if it's a grind more than a challenge, but I don't really have any real grinds with it because I really enjoy. We'll ask you again in two years or three years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So 
the other question I'd like to ask is if you have any reading recommendations, book recommendations, whether it's something about worship or just something that maybe was an, an important book that you've read in your life that you would say people should read this book. One that I just recently finished is called Visioneering by Andy Stanley. Uh, it's obviously about vision, mm-hmm. um, but vision within your ministry, within your family, for yourself, um, and where that vision comes from and how you know if it's a vision that's worth pursuing. Mm. And if God has given you that vision, um, how to move forward. And one big thing from that book was you might have a vision, but it might not start now. Um, You might have this vision, but it's all in God's timing, and you have to be patient with that. And then, like I said, within your family, your ministry, that book has actually helped me um, to create a vision for the worship team in itself, what that looks like for us and what our values are, because that was one thing the book touched on is what are the values, the core values that you want, you know, this part of your ministry to, to focus on. And so that's helped me kind of create this values for our, these values for our team. And so I definitely recommend it because it helps you not only, you know, some people don't think they have a vision mm-hmm. until they read this book and they're like, Oh, maybe I do. Or it helps them. It challenges them to maybe ask God, what is what is your vision for my sure. life? What do you want me to do? So that's a really, really good book that I recommend. Yeah, and that's cool to see something that um, maybe can be used on a big church scale, mm-hmm. scaled down and appropriated to small church ministry and the concept still can kind of carry over and and one aspect of the ministry yeah and it's bringing your team together it sounds like Mm -hmm. around that shared vision which is cool that's great yeah all right well thanks for uh being here on podcast number 16 it's been a joy thanks Alyssa. you've been listening to the pastoral calling podcast with jim shamaria and me matt loverin Join us every two weeks as we start a new conversation about life and leadership in the local church. If you like us, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and also tell all your friends so they can join the conversation.